Hi, this is Pastor Don from Perry Hall Family Worship Center. I'm so glad that you joined into our service today. We are blessed that you are part of it. And you know, my prayer for you is this, that you will be blessed, you'll be encouraged, and most of all, you'll be challenged by the Word of God today. So just get ready and join into the services. Service has already begun. God bless you. And the Boy Scouts has this motto, trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, Drifty, brave, clean, and the one I like is reverent. Now these are all these are all characteristics that make up a Boy Scout. And the Boy Scouts is requesting all their scouts to be like this. To be all these different things here. Why is that? Because they're representing the Boy Scouts. So you see how the characteristics of the Boy Scouts is what makes up who they represent. Let me put it to you that way. Integrity of the Boy Scout and the boy. It's like core values, okay, it's core values, and this is, this is where we're going with this. The police force have it to protect and to serve. So the characteristics of a person reflects the organization, and in most cases, proper identity is required. But it gets down to where we're headed for, it's the fiber of the organization. The identity, the credibility, the characteristics is the fiber of a company, of an organization, and even a church. So in our text today, we're going to get started here in Ephesians 4. We're going to see that God, the CEO, gives us core values of the church. It's like a blueprint. It's how he wants the church made up, how he wants his people to act, how he wants his people to live. So this, uh, this Ephesians 4 is really a, a lot. Uh, I, I read where one preacher said that if he had only one opportunity to preach the Word of God, he would use Ephesians 4 because it's so powerful. And we're, obviously we're just hitting six verses here, though. But Ephesians has, this whole Ephesians have so much theology, but it has practical living for every one of us. So let's pick up here, and we're going to read in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and then I want to backtrack. Verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. So the church has been around a long time. And this is one reason why, because the foundation, we see the foundation, but we see now the design and the plan. Now, let me backtrack here, and I want to hit to verse 1. Now, verse 1, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Paul is reminding us again he's a prisoner. <laughs> he continues to remind that. But it's interesting because Paul has no strings attached here. He's saying, look, I'm in jail. God is telling me something. I'm telling you guys. Now, it's up to you to behave this way. It's up to you to listen this way. And, um, but there's nothing really in it for me. Then he goes and it says, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We see a divine calling. 
we see this beseeching. He, it means he's begging. He's urging the church. And that's each and every one of us. It's not just for these, these people, you know, 2,000 years ago. It's for you and I, because if you made Jesus Lord of your life, you're a saint. And it's, t- it's talking to each and every one of us. So he's bringing this urgency out to walk, to, to conduct your life in a worthy manner. Christians, Christian conduct most measures of, of Christian conduct and most measures of what God is telling us. That's the way God really looks at it. That's the way we, we need to look at it. It's a pattern that God has given us. Paul was begging. He's begging this, this church to live according to divine measure. That's what he's saying. Living according to divine measure. I got to tell you, sometimes this is the toughest part in ministry for me. You know, when people are, are not living a godly life, they come to church, they, they're doing a godly thing, no doubt about it. But then outside of church and they're not living a godly life and, and then they're wondering why. And it's kind of like you, you hate to say it, but it's like, you know, God calls us to live a godly life, not just Sunday morning from 11 to 12, 24 7. And Paul is pleading, he's, he's begging here. We go into verse 2. Verse 2 says this. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Another translation puts it like this Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Loneliness loneliness means humility. It's interesting how Paul starts out with telling this church, hey, the first thing you guys got to be is humble. You got to be humble. Now, what is humility? I like how Philippians gives a definition. It says, humility value others above yourself. That's a good way of looking at it. And Paul starts out that way. He's making a point here that God resists the proud. He resists the proud. So how, how is a church going to operate right if God's already resisting them? You know, a lot of times we don't understand this pride thing. We don't understand this humility thing. But let me just give you a little um, bit of information. And here's, here's the way you can figure it out in your own mind. Is this. A humble person will think they're prideful. A prideful person will think they're humble. Just think about that for a little bit. Let it sink in. This is the way you can tell in your own life. But the point really is, is, is God is saying, hey, look, he's starting out right out of the gate. This pride is no good. And make sure you deal with it if you got it. Gentleness is being calm in your spirit. When offense occurs, you're calm. Why? Because you trust in God. We're all going to get stuff. We're all going to hear stuff in life. Things are going to continue to battle us. But how do we handle it? Are we reflecting Christ in the situation? Or are we, are we just going to be complaining? Are we going to be winding? Long-suffering means patience as well. It's kind of interesting because when it says long-suffering, it kind of tells you, okay, you need patience. <laughs> well, nobody likes patience, you know, especially nowadays on the highways and things like that. And I'll say this. If you are ever praying for patience, don't pick me up. I, I can get my own ride. Okay, I know how that works. God works on you when you're really praying for something like that. But the point really is, is, is he's bringing out something. God is bringing out something. This is the way the church needs to be. We need to be patient. We need to be gentle. You know, gentleness is, is not weakness. It's really strength when we understand this. 
But we see that this, um, again, we're, it's kind of talking to a church type of thing here, that you know what? Hey, man, we all got to work together. We got to work together here. And this is what it's going to take. This is the ingredients. Verse 3, and it says this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, keep in mind, because this is so important, and I know I keep repeating this, but this is going to the church. This is going to the design of the church. You know, we look at church, and we've been in it for, you know, years, many years. It's, we've seen it's been around here for, you know, many years in our time anyway. But this is kind of the, the forming of the church and some of the guidelines that it needs. But it says endeavor. It means to give diligent. It means to be diligent. Be diligent in unity. In unity. Now, remember last week and the week before, we talked about the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles. Only God can pull that off. Only God can make that happen. But that's what God's all about. But I will say this. Unity sometimes can be tough. It's tough enough outside the church. But even inside the church, it's tough. We have different things going on. Different, you know, whatever. You know, different people just sometimes they don't unite in certain things. And nowadays it's getting harder and harder to keep the unity. Believe me, I hear, I hear stuff sometimes that, you know, you almost think we have a, you know, a committee on <laughs> complaining. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're just, a, that's the type of people we are. We just sometimes, and, and all that is hard. Other people rub us the wrong way. But the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, it binds every believer through Christ. I got to tell you, what always boggles my mind, no matter what country I go into, when I go to a Christian, or, you, know, you know, to meet other Christians uh, into different churches, Man, it's, there's a connection that takes place. You can't explain it. It doesn't happen unless it's another Christian. But this is how we can have the bonds of the unity of the Holy Spirit in us. The same Holy Spirit that's in me is in my friends in India or, or the Philippines or wherever it may be. That same Holy Spirit. So this is why we can have unity because of God. Nothing that we're doing. But Paul was saying this now in verse 4. There is one body... One spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. This is present speaking. This is current. This is what God is telling us. Paul is communicating something here. He's communicating what the church needs to look like. What the church, what you and I need to look like and what the church needs to look, at, look like. Maybe this is why the church has been around for all these years. Verse 5. One Lord one faith, one baptism. First Corinthians puts it this way, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. There's a unity here. Only Christ brings in. We're not talking about the water baptism or baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're just talking about uni uniting together. This is what the Lord does. But our unity resolves, revolves around the Word of God. It revolves around the Lord Jesus. That's where our unity comes in. Nothing else, not a person, not a place. It revolves around the Lord. This is why we can see that the church has been around for a long time. This is why. So I'm going to start winding down here, but I want to conclude with some, some thoughts here, and I hope it gets us all kind of uh, thinking here. 
the main theme that you hear in, the, in these six verses really is unity. That's really the main theme. And it's telling us, you know, if we don't have patience, we're not going to have unity. If we don't have long suffering, we're not going to have unity. If we don't have gentleness, if we don't have love, obviously we're not going to have any of this. If we're not going to keep our eyes on the Lord, we're not going to have this unity that only comes from God. And let's be honest here. The United States, it seems like it's becoming the divided states. We have so much division taking place. We have the, I mean, I can just keep on going. We have so much politics, political things that's just dividing us. And, you know, it shouldn't divide Christians. Let me, put, let me tell you that right now. I read this thing here, and I, and I copied it. It says, 81% of America's, Americans assert that America is more divided today than at any other time in their life. I would say, absolutely. I mean, I'm not trying to act like I'm, a, you know... Uh, you know, but anybody who's been around knows that we are really a divided, divided country. But it's amazing how the Lord can bring us together. We're divided in the country. We're divided outside of church. We're even divided in church. We as Christians, it's sad sometimes because there's division that takes place. We were talking about that just this morning out in the lobby, how churches, some churches divide and they fall apart. It's kind of the work of the devil. That's really what's taking place. And I'll say this, it's okay that we have differences. Last uh, Wednesday, we had our uh, small groups downstairs and it really was a great topic, it was a parable, but it brought different opinion. And it was different, just different things. We didn't all agree on something as we wrapped up on the, um, on the theme. But you know what? We all still stayed together. Just because I disagree with you, you disagree with me on certain things. It doesn't mean we, we go running off and taking off. You know, it brings us together. It's okay. It's okay that we can have unity. We don't have to have uniformity. <laughs> you know, we're all different. But we got to have unity in the body of Christ. We can stand at this point here. Difference aren't the problems. Difference aren't the problem. It's how we handle the difference. The church is not going to gain unity simply by applying outward conformity. <laughs> we're, not going to, we're not going to come together if we're just coming together to have, uh, you know, lunch all the time or we have cookies. We're coming together because of Christ. That's why we're here today. And I believe that's why you're here today as well. You're here because of, of Christ. You're not here because of, uh, you know, the music is awesome, which it is. You're not here because the pastor's handsome. You're not here for that. Okay, maybe some of you are. I know Lisa is. She's gone. But the point really is, is if you have a relationship with Christ, this is why you're here. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm going to say the prayer team's up here. Come on up and let them pray with you because this is so important in your life to get it right with God because we're not sure what tomorrow's going to bring for us. So let's get it right. And not only that, is let's get it right for here and now. I often say get right so when we go from this planet to the next to the next world we're going to heaven and that was part of God's plan but also part of God's plan is for us to have the abundant life right here and right now many Christians are leading a defeated life other Christians are going to heaven when they die that's not the argument the argument really is is how come I got this cloud over top of me all the time Maybe it's disobedience. You can still be a Christian and live in disobedience. But we're called. We're called 
to walk a worthy life. We're not asked to, we're called to, we're urged to. Saints, you are responsible to walk a godly life. You're responsible to it. Why are you responsible to it? Because you're part of the identity of what Christ has put together. See, how we believe also affects how we live. Right doctrine is foundational for godly living. So we got to have the right doctrine. It's not about religion. It's about, I'm continuing to go back to Christ, go back to the cross. This is where, this is the fundamental truth. But I'll say this, we can have the right doctrine, but if not applied in life, it's kind of useless. See, outside these doors, when we leave, we got to be living a godly life. We got to be living a life that represents the church that God has created. We do have a responsibility. We do have a calling. The Bible says every one of us, verse one, every one of us has a calling. Live your calling. Ask God what it is. He's got a calling for you, but we got to live it. We get involved in the things of God. One of the things we talked about Wednesday is about evangelizing, sharing the gospel with other people. We got to do that all the time. See, it's not up to us up here. It's up to us down here. It's up to every one of us down here to be sharing the love of Jesus with everybody. That's our calling. That's your calling. That's my calling. Amen. Well, Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your church here at Perry Hall. I thank you for each person here today. And I pray your blessing to be upon them. Lord, I thank you for the 18 years that you have given this church. And Lord, we just continue uh, to, to do your will. We pray your will be done in your church. We pray your will be done in your people here today. But Lord, I pray as we... We continue to dig into Ephesians and, and we're seeing this unity. We're seeing this thing about pride. We're seeing this thing about patience. Lord, that we would work on it. And Lord, I pray for an inner conviction when we, when we uh, go off track on these things. And Lord, that we would be a good representative. Lord, that we would be a good ambassador of your church. And I thank you for it. Lord, continue to guide and direct us. And Lord, again, I pray your will be done in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. The prayer team's up here if anyone likes prayer. Well, thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you were blessed by the service, and I hope God was really speaking to you. Let me encourage you to go to the church website, perryhall.life, and click on the Jesus link. This will tell you a little bit more about how to get that personal relationship with Jesus Christ to make him Lord and Savior of your life. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you tune in next Sunday at 11 a.m. as well. Thank you, God bless you, and have a great day.